Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I think that listening to a happiness podcast is basically reading a self-help book. Mm. But if you delve into the world of self-help, you we want to feel that we're getting cream of the crop. Yeah, we don't want something that, for example, Jerry Halliwell would listen to. Yeah, exactly. Don't give me some fucking <laughs> populist bullshit. Give me like, this is for the smarty pants ones. So this woman who hosts this podcast, which is called The Happiness Lab, she's like a Yale professor. So I'm like, maybe she'll be good enough for me because she's a Yale professor. And I scan through and I'm looking for a topic. But then I saw the word. I saw that word that makes me go, fucking, this is bullshit. You know what it is? Go on. Introvert. If I ever hear an introvert talking about introversion, I, I'm i done talking about violence. I think I'm actually starting to come across like a violent person. <laughs> so I'll, I'll more gently say I, I hope that they die. And I, I'm not actively thinking that you deserve death. I'm just thinking that whatever next pandemic comes, instead of getting the asthmatics and the oldies... Please go for fucking self-described introverts. This is my request from God, who I don't believe in, even though I'm trying to use these podcasts to become more spiritual. But if you're up there, buddy, can the next pando come for the self-described introverts? Because these fuckers are so fucking thrilled with themselves, I cannot. They're always like, you know, an interesting thing about me is um, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it actually about me, but I'm actually like an intro. Like, actually, I find other people like really tiring. They're always fucking thrilled with themselves. Yeah, I've realized that actually I fill myself up by like being in my own company. Fuck off. <laughs> they love themselves. But you yourself are an introvert. People might not believe this. But this but... is the thing. You love talking about my introversion. You think that my introversion makes me a more interesting person. You're like, you guys, wait, listen, my wife is really interesting. She's got like a huge personality. She's very loud. She's unbelievably outgoing. She, she's actually a stand-up comedian. I know. She's a hero. She's so brave. <laughs> Isn't it wild? Like my wife is just a stand-up. It's no big deal how cool she is because she is also introverted. It's like you're a fucking wife guy. And it's also very annoying. Like, shut up about me. Don't say nice shit about your wife. Take an example from me. And be fucking mean about me in public. Other people thought it was a nice groom speech. <laughs> eh. Let's talk about our guest. Our guest this week is our actual real life friend, Catherine Jaquays. We had uh, an emergency situation earlier this summer and we said, can you just talk to us tomorrow? And she's like, yes, of course. We knew at that time that her show, Buccaneers, would be coming out. And we said, will you return to us in a proper and real capacity when Buccaneers is actually out? She's been very busy because when they were promoing the show, the actor strike was still ongoing. She as a showrunner, executive producer and writer had to like go on that circuit. So she was very busy. But again, she's not allowed to tell us no because we have an actual friendship, which I will willingly exploit. So our guest this week is our real life friend, the showrunner and the executive producer of the new Apple hit Buccaneers. It's only Catherine Jakeway. Quick watch. You messaged me. I think there's something good. Boat story on iPlayer. I went, great. I was happy for the direction. I go onto iPlayer. I see the visual come up. And I think to myself, motherfucker, this fucking piece of shit. This is going to be some British fucking bullshit. The visual of it, as it came up on iPlayer, looked like the thing that I struggle with. Which is? It, it looks rainy. Sometimes it can be rain. Sometimes it can be a depressing kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I could see it has Daisy Haggard, who I really like, but I don't know. So I just went, God. So I sat down in a sulk. That was my mood. Press play. Within five minutes, I was like, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. That good. That good. And it it had to catch me because I was in a sulk. So here's the idea. Plot-wise, it's very, very intricate. So it's difficult to describe, but basically it's starring Daisy Haggard and Patterson Joseph. Johnson from Peep Show. Of course. And it's doing this thing, you know, these things come into fashion. It's doing this thing again where there's a mix of drama and comedy. They come upon a shipwrecked boat that has a lot of cocaine on it. And the drama and the comedy ensues. So if it's a boat, are we in one of those British seaside towns that you love so much? Disgusting. (laughs) It's such a disgusting town. But British people are so fucking defensive about this shit. We know about Blackpool. Actually, for all of my goings on, I would love to see Blackpool. I'll take you there. Great. You can go see the lights. I mean, I'd rather you took me to the south of France, but do what you gotta do. (laughs) But there's a boat. This isn't a spoiler, but very early on in the show, you see this boat. It is on rocky water. Rocky water. Rocky water. I just don't feel safe on a boat ever. I am afraid of die, literally dying on a ship. Going to a watery grave. A watery grave. Davy Jones locker. Exactly that. I like sailboats. If I can ever see a sailboat, I like that very much. How Monet painted the sailboats. I like seeing a sailboat, but I don't like involving myself with ropes. Oh, I would never go on a sailboat because they would 100% there's going to be a moment where they're like, hey, the part of the fun is I'll be like, not for me. I don't I, I don't want to participate. I'll lay. I won't even lay out. You know what? No, it's not for me at all. You're not going to lay on deck. No, because I don't like direct sunlight and I don't look good in flappy hat. Because it's going to get blown it off. Blow, it's, it's, it's just like anxiety and rope work that I'm not interested in. <laughs> There's going to be someone there who like wants to teach you how to tie a knot. I have I have had a couple of occasions. This might surprise you where people have tried to teach me knots. It's like people trying to teach you how to play like pool or snooker or whatever you call it, snooker. And it just it's it's like I don't want to learn. I don't care. I don't care how you do your fucking knot. You really don't like to learn a new thing. I do you? don't like to learn new shit. <laughs> I can enjoy reading. I can enjoy talking. I like television. And I do like exercising sometimes. You've got your four things. Those are my things. No new things. Stick with what you know. Don't expand your horizons. (laughs) So given your dislike of the high seas and the British coast, what is it about this show, Boat Story, that you like so much? Daisy Haggard is becoming... Oh, she's fantastic. I think she's the next Olivia Coleman. I think she's like going to uh, move yeah. from this thing and then be like, no, no, people, watch what I can fucking do. And it's like the pace of it feels good. The storyline feels fascinating. The supporting cast feels good instead of annoying. They also... So I'm 99% sure that the, it's brothers who've made this. When are sisters going to start making shit? When are sisters going to start doing it for themselves? <laughs> brothers are always doing shit. Mm. And so there's like some English brothers and they're making this. But I am feeling joy in my body and gratitude to, I think they're the Williams brothers. Thanks, boys. Now, on last week's episode, Greg Davis recommended a Danish film called Riders of Justice. So we had a sofa date night and watched it. Mm -hmm. What's it about? We initially meet a guy... He's an extremely nerdy, statistical, computer, algorithmy genius who is underappreciated at his job at the local authority. We also meet a family, the mother and the daughter at home in Copenhagen. The dad, played by Mads Mikkelsen, is away serving in the military. I can't remember where, but I'm guessing it's Afghanistan. Okay. It tends to be. Sure. The inciting incident is we then see those characters, nerd, mum, daughter, on a subway train. Nerd, being the gentleman that he is, offers his seat to the mother. She sits down. A few seconds later, there is a terrible explosion, killing several people, including her. Joe, I will always offer my seat, but inside, I always begrudge having to do it. I'm always scanning for a younger person who I think ought to be doing it. And then as I am giving my seat up to somebody else, I'm, I'm simultaneously glaring at the young person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly as you should be doing it. This explosion kills around 10 people. A nerdy statistics guy, he cannot accept 
that it's an accident. The police won't listen to him, so he goes about enlisting the help of the now widowed husband, played by Mads Mikkelsen. And pretty soon, we're in an unlikely alliance... Unlikely alliance, ..of a tough guy, a nerd and his very nerdy friends, versus a biker gang. And it becomes very fun very quickly. Why do you think biker gangs sit in the criminal hierarchy? Oh, shit. Do they kill people? Well, I really like a biker gang. You do? Because they've got a shared interest. Think about other gangs. Their shared interest is just making money. Whereas the biker gangs, they like going out for scenic rides. Uh Uh-huh. Motorcycle maintenance. Why do they all have to grow their beards so long? And... What are they doing? Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Because they they do have this shared love of motorcycles. Do they spend the morning doing motorbike stuff? And then after lunch, they switch to the criminal activities. So it's 100% motorbikes plus. It's not they just like their vehicles and they go on their little rides and they like stop at diners for, for their meals. I like thinking about them buying new denim jackets <laughs> and then cutting off the sleeves. <laughs> And sewing their little patches on. <laughs> you don't think they're going to like a Beyond Retro where they can buy this stuff like already shorn? Maybe. How come they don't do d- denim shorts? If they're going to do like cutoffs on the <laughs> sleeves, why not do like a little denim short as well? Um, this nerdy statistics genius guy, mm. he enlists the help of his friends. They are some of the funniest and geekiest characters yeah. I've seen on screen for such a long time. Whenever I see characters like that, I always think these are my people. Yeah. I always find it easier to relate to whatever the extreme version of nerd is than I do to say like an everyman like Martin Freeman or Jason Bateman. Obviously, honey. <laughs> of course. Like Jason Bateman and Martin Freeman are not everyman. They're like beautiful Hollywood everyman. Like, I'm not trying to be bitchy, but I'm waiting for you to deliver a surprise to me. But you think I'm more similar to the sort of person who would be likely to have dandruff on his face at any given time. You have dandruff. Right. And the other thing I wanted to say, apart from you must watch this film because it's so good, is I adore Mads Mikkelsen. Oh my God. Oh my God. His acting is so good. I can't understand that he's the same person from one film to another. He is so unbelievable. I don't understand how he exists. And we, what was the name of that other film? You Um, know. Druk. Sorry guys, it's it's really difficult for Jeff to remember the English word because he's like so into Scandi shit. It it was called Another Round? Another Round, yeah. yeah. We loved Another Round. The end of Another Round is one of the great endings of any film ever we felt so sad when writers of justice was over we watched the end of another round because it is beautiful high recommend hey we'd love to hear from you make my wife happy it makes me so happy i go into our inbox i would say let me think i bet i go in four times a day and when i have nothing or spam i feel sad but then when it's one of you guys I get a little rosy glow in my little rosy cheeks. Here's something you could do for Sarah. Is there a TV show that will convert her to the joys of the British seaside town? I think that Boat Story is that show. But it's not going to make you want to go on holiday to that place. Oh, never. Also on Boat Story, what are the best TV shows set in and around the world of boating? There seems to be a real spate of them here in the 70s and 80s. There was the Aneedin line, which was drama on the high seas between, I think, Newcastle and Gothenburg (laughs) (laughs) on the ferry. (laughs) It was an ongoing... An ongoing oh, drama on the ferry between that Newcastle sounds and really Gothenburg. fucking British to yeah. me. Uh, Triangle, Howard's Way, which was very glamorous. This, Mamma Mia, here we go again. I oh, mean, if we're going all films, I mean, a, a great film set on a yacht that you will never watch is Triangle of Sadness. Of course. It's like incessant vomiting is what I've been told. It's a brilliant film, but you will never watch it. That could be a good subject, actually. What is the thing that you know is really good, but you will never watch it? Honey, I was thinking this because, um, yeah, it's different from what put the poison in you. It's like the poison was somehow already in you and therefore you have never been able to watch. And I, everyone says Triangle of Sadness is like the greatest film of all time and I'm never going to get to see it. It's, it's a very good comedy. It's a very good satire, but let's not over it. No, I just, I felt so um, deprived. Oh, here's something we could try. We sort of tried it before, but you know, I was saying that I really related to the very nerdy characters in Riders of Justice. Mm-hmm. Like we, we tried that thing, who is in your gang? Who would you be in the band with? We could even make it, um, which three TV characters are you the mean average of? Interesting. I mean, with you, I think you think you're the mean average of three 30 Rock characters. 
Liz Lemon, Jenna Maroney, uh-huh. and Kathy Geis. Yeah. <laughs> I do think I have a bit of Kathy Geis within me. Kiss! Kiss! <laughs> but, but yeah, we tr- tried it last time and it didn't really work. But you never know, people might be more receptive this time. Um, also, are there any positive representations of biker gangs in TV or maybe film? I mean, I suppose you've got those two cooks. What are they called? The Fat Hairy Bikers. Those two guys. Yeah, I guess they seem fine. I don't think they're in that type of a biker gang. And we'll accept any email on the subject of Mads Mikkelsen. Just leave that wide open. Oh, anything to do with Mads. Like, come on. Have you had a Mads Mikkelsen encounter? Mads Mikkelsen moment. Oh, my God. (laughs) You guys, a a Mads Mikkelsen moment. And as ever, what are you watching? What do you think of what we've been watching? What have we got right? What have we got wrong? What don't we even know about? The email address is... Fuck off at firecottagenormcore.com. Very exciting week for you on the Patreon. Oh, the Patreon is a week. What happened on our Patreon this week was so insane. I'm not going to talk numbers because it's too personal, but here's what happened. So last week, as you know, we got um, our taskmasters, Alex Ron and Greg Davies. I don't know if you've heard, but people go fucking crazy for this show. Holy shit. The fans on this show are very devoted and stand-ups talk about the taskmaster effect. Like you go on taskmaster and your tour changes everything. Well... I've not had that experience, but I now know what it's like when you have a Patreon. So basically, all these people joined our Patreon because they just wanted to hear. They're like, they're so obsessed with Greg Davies and Alex Horn that they were going to give us three pounds a month just to, just for one month. They were going to join, listen, and then cancel. What a roller coaster of emotion it has been for me. I think there was a point at which our Patreon supporters had almost doubled just because we got the Taskmasters on. It was insane. And how is the heartbreak of those people cancelling the subscriptions? Do you know what? Because as ever as ever with everything in life, it's all about expectation. I saw it coming. And listen, we're going to keep a few of them. I believe this. But then I, I got my hate tweet. You you became a figure of hate again. I always become a figure of hate. And I don't really mind. It's because I have a strong personality. <laughs> But like, so can I just tell you, like, friends of the pod, like, just gather close, just gather on the campfire. So Jeff has interviewed Greg many, many, many times. He's always been, you have always said he's one of your favorite people to get to talk to. And so at at the most difficult times, it felt like neither Alex nor I should interrupt you and Greg. But I also just want to sit there mute. So, you know, at many times across the hour and 15 we spoke to them, I, I would try different questions that had a sense of humour. I, I, I know that feeling of not wanting to sit there mute because I had a very bad experience of that. When? I would say Ballpark 2007, I got a call from the Richard and Judy show. Uh-huh. A film was being reissued on DVD, Slayed in Flame. Uh-huh. It's the rock band Slade playing fictionalised <laughs> versions of themselves and they thought that I as a music radio broadcaster, would be a good person to come on and talk about this. I was happy to because I love that film and I love that band. At the last minute, they also managed to book Noddy Holder, lead singer of Slade. (laughs) Now, quite rightly, Rich and Judy directed the whole interview towards Noddy. Of course. Because you would. But I did get several messages that night from listeners who'd see me on TV saying I look like a man who'd won a competition to sit next to Noddy Holder on the television. You poor thing. (laughs) How upset did you find it versus how funny? Oh, I just found it funny. Right. So what happened to me was (laughs) I had harsher language directed at me. So in this woman's defense, she she didn't, I could tell without giving all the boring details, she didn't mean to at me into the tweet. Mm. But basically she was like, this woman is talking over him, I want to punch that bitch, me, in the face for, and this was all in caps, talking over her king. Mm. And I actually thought she, she, there was a sense of humor to that line, her king. She wasn't was more, being more or less a sense of humor than, than somebody saying that they'd like to see all self-described introverts <laughs> being wiped out in a pandemic. Oh yeah, no, that, this is this is, but that's why it hurt me <laughs> because there's a sense of humor to what I'm saying. I don't actually mean I think introverts should be walked out wiped out by the next pandemic or do I and I felt like she doesn't really mean I'm a bitch who should get punched in the face but that makes it worse so it was a tough week but worth it for that sweet coin even if it's just for one month I will take what I can get so the patreon is patreon.com 
stroke they like to watch. And coming up later, creator, showrunner, writer of the hit Apple TV Plus series Buccaneers, it's Catherine Jakeways. We watched together this week the first half of the final series of The Crown, which has just dropped on Netflix. I was trying to figure out what our relationship is with that show. I do just like it. I was excited to watch it. I was, but it's, it's a funny one. I don't know why we ever press play on it in the first place, because I've got an aversion to period drama, and I don't like things about posh people. And I'm not a hardcore Republican, but I got my issues with the royal family. I, I think we'd be fine without them. People would say, but what about all the money they bring in in, in tourism? I think Fr- France seems to do fine. <laughs> Paris isn't short of visitors. I do get so fucking excited for a new season of The Crown that maybe I'm like a little more into it than I would like to be. Yeah, we've watched all of it. And there was definitely a point where it felt like a chore. Was there? Yeah. I, th- I think maybe some of the 70s. I'm, ju- I'm just trying to think about it because I think why I watch it now is different to what I enjoyed about it in the first place. Okay, so take us on that journey. I think when it started out, it felt extremely high-end, and it still does as, as an expensive production. But you were getting social history of the country alongside this behind-closed-doors history of the Queen, who I find so interesting because she was as famous as it's possible to be, but a completely neutral character, quite a bland human being who just liked horses and duty, a sense of duty. Big sense of duty. And now, in the Diana era, I do feel like I'm watching a very luxurious soap opera. I just think it's, I think that lady, that Debicki woman, what's her name, Elizabeth Debicki? She's very, 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 very good. I don't know. I'm just like, I like going inside the palace. I like thinking about how weird it must smell. I know that I would have an allergy attack in that palace. <laughs> I know that you get the best of the best, like, as a servant up in there, but pff, no. What do you remember about the time when Diana died? Oh, well, I'll tell you, because it was it was the within days of when I moved to New York City. And I remember, like, going for a walk in the West Village and a woman who wasn't well started running down the street and going, Diana died! It was so funny and weird. Um, but I didn't feel that I was in a country that was mourning, which I know that you did. And if I'm not mistaken, you got ever so slightly carried away by the national mood. My main memory of that time is I had to go to an STD clinic at Withington Hospital, which is the hospital where I was born in Manchester. And as I was waiting to go in... There was one of those condolence books, like a big leather-bound condolence book in the waiting room. So I signed it. Why? And I think I wrote something quite earnest. That's so sweet. I genuinely, I truly wish a little bit more of that side of you could come back. Not the sexually transmitted disease. No, how did you get an STD? I I got it from myself. Uh Uh-huh, this is so on brand. It was a period of my life where I had a lot of verrucas on my feet. And I was constantly picking at them. And the virus that caused the verrucas then transferred to my hands. So I had these warts on my hands. And then they made the leap from hand to penis. So it, what it looked like was there was a very small peanut inside the eye of the penis. And that was a herpes? No, it's a genital wart. And I don't oh, know. You're if it, fucking filthy. You're fucking disgusting. But when I think of being consumed by grief for Dear Dead Diana, that's the location that goes with that memory. Anyway, I, people aren't loving it. I'm having a great time. I think one of the things that people specifically aren't loving is after the death. Spoiler alert coming. Spoiler. Okay, so Diana died. You know that. <laughs> Spoiler alert. She was killed, but... She, she visits various characters <laughs> as a ghost. Yeah, that is a But little... she's not haunting them. Nope. She's, she's not just... apparating. No, it's not an apparition. Which I wish I wish it was. I would find it more entertaining if she was slightly transparent. Oh, you And maybe want... she got like the scars of her death, <laughs> like a zombie. No, here's what you want. Mm. You want, um, you know, there's that little spirit in um, Muppet Christmas Carol, the little spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, the ghost of Christmas future. That not that ghost of Christmas future, the one who's like this? Oh, oh, the ghost of Christmas past. Yes, I think it's past. Because then middle is that jovial one with mm, his mm. horn. Yes. Anyway. 
she just like shows up to chat to them. And the oh, she choice, doesn't go, Ooh, No, it's just suddenly like, Oh, I did I did really love you. That's that. A good Diana I did really love Diana, you. Diana, that cockney sparrow. Yeah, no, no, I know, but do re- Diana really, do little. Really, really posh. I did really love you. Is that good? But I did better. really love you. She's showing up to like, you know, say heavy hit and shit as you would as a ghost, non-apparating version. But it didn't make me wonder if Stephen Daldry and Peter Morgan... Peter Morgan's the writer, Stephen Daldry's the director, I Did think. they get together and strokeify their brains? <laughs> Are they having, <laughs> like, a Michael Patrick King moment? It's a choice. When something like that happens, you go, how did this get through? Like, someone's not sleeping well. Someone's having a personal meltdown. Someone was like, I, I, I normally am very diligent with what I say yes to, but I'm fucking tired. Just do what you want. I'm going to put a fucking ghost in. He's he's not done running a tight ship. I'm fucking putting a ghost in. It was so weird. And again, Stephen, Peter, hey, it's me, Sarah. I'm really having a great time with your show. I think you're doing a good job. Ooh. It just totally was bizarre. But I'm I'm enjoying the ride very much. I seem to remember that when we first see Dodie in the previous season, you had a little bit of a reaction to him. Uh. And that seems to completely vanish. There's no trace of an attraction now. No. He's very Kendall Roy. Kendall Roy's chest hair wasn't visible. It looks like this is a junior high school theatre production. <laughs> And like an 11 year old who's never done props or costuming is like, may I be in charge of the chest hair? <laughs> I assume that's the real chest hair of that actor, but it looks like someone has taken rubber cement, just put something on the chest. It is so weird. And I felt the same about um Sherry Blair's hair. Basically, the two things that go together and that fucking ghost has no place in this show. The two things that go together as bizarre decisions are Sherry Blair's hair and Dodie's chest hair. <laughs> I'll assume no one else was wearing a wig and everyone else just looks amazing. Wig masters are a thing, right? So I'm going to assume, I'm sure incorrectly, that everyone else just happens to have their fabulous, natural, and character-appropriate hair. And then they brought in an 11-year-old to do <laughs> Sherry's hair and Dodie's chest hair. It looked nuts. So I don't know when it's coming, but you're looking forward to the second half of this final series. I don't really know where they go from Death of Diana. Well, we know exactly where they go from the Death of Diana. Prince Andrew and Meghan Markle. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's interesting because before yesterday, I was like, if I get any spare time, it's going four blocks. Then this morning... I started Boat Story, and now I feel like that would be the first thing I would do along with watching when the next episode of The Curse comes out, which is that Nathan Fielder show we spoke about last week. Then I probably will binge the rest of The Crown because it's so dirty, but in a hot way. And I think there might be something else coming as well, something called Fellow Travellers on Paramount+. And then probably they'll bring back The Traitors before Christmas. And we've got all our Christmas things that we need to watch as well. Yeah, we've got to... Do you have any um, interest in giving the listeners Christmas options? I don't think a referendum is the way to go. One finger, one thumb. Do you have any thoughts on The Crown? Are you disgusted that we even watched it? No. Is it at that level? Is that how people are thinking about it now? I don't know how people think about it. Oy, oy, Okay, are you disgusted at us for watching it? Is, is there anything that you think they should have shown that they didn't? Did they ever do an episode about it? It's a royal knockout. I'm not sure. Um, it's also weird, this series, because there was that film, The Queen, with Helen Mirren, mm. written by Peter Morgan, mm. that covers the same period of time. Mm-hmm. Did that have a ghost in it? Maybe that was before he had a stroke. But we'd love to hear from you. The email address? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up. Our very good friend, executive producer, showrunner, writer of the Buccaneers, it's Catherine Jaquez. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're friends in real life, and we watched last night. I thought it was so good. Oh my god! And I was so fucking relieved yeah. for relief you, yeah. for me, with how genuinely good I thought it was, and how genuinely not a slog it was to watch. Good, thank you. That it went like, let's do another. Should we just do another? What's interesting to me about this is if you have a friend, yes, and you don't love what they've done. How do you approach it? I would totally lie. Yeah, totally. I would yeah, totally yeah, yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, can I also say that when you're even telling me that you like it, I'm just thinking, yeah, but that's what I would say. I spent a long time in the car over here trying to remember the phrase that you said that you would use as a code to listeners mm-hmm. if you weren't being honest. Uh huh. And it's if you say that my show is gloriously funny, I, I will know. I would never do that. that to okay, you. good. Sarah would lie to your face about it. I think she would. I, I I wouldn't lie to your face, but nor would I say, Catherine, I've got to tell you, I didn't enjoy your show. No, I just picked my words very yeah, carefully. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I'd know. I mean, I think, well, you just always assume the worst, and you I do anyway. And there may be people who go through life genuinely feeling like they've made the definitive works of art. And so whatever anyone says to them, it doesn't touch them because they just think, well, you must be wrong because I know it was perfect. I wonder if anybody who feels like that has ever made anything good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. And let's hope not for their sake. But I I, I was genuinely relieved. I found it so watchable. And I don't tend to like period dramas. Sure. Also, I felt a little bit like a dirty old man watching it. Not not that I was perving after the young women who are the leads, Mm -hmm. but it just felt like, in in a way, a man of my age has no business even looking at those women. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I do, but I hope there's kind of something for everyone. It's, yeah. not even, it's not even the show I'm talking about here. I'm talking about younger women in general. We, we Just were, walking down the street. You we feel were that. in Brighton a while ago. Yeah. And um, I was at a pedestrian crossing. Yeah. And a car pulled up alongside of us. And it was, it was full of young women in, the, in their 20s. Yeah. And straight away, they saw me look in the direction of their car and they all burst out laughing. <laughs> Just that an old man was looking in their direction. As if, Grandad. Yes. And then one of them did an ironic wave at me. Oh, no. And they also, and I wasn't even, oh, I wasn't even looking at them in that way. <laughs> I was sort of, I was just looking left, right, and left again. Just being in their vicinity. Yes. Well, I spent most of last year with these young actors, but it, like spending time with any young people, you realise quite quickly that they don't really take much notice of you. They don't, they kind of, you might feel like, oh, they're all going for a drink and it's going to be awkward in a minute because they'll probably ask me and I probably shouldn't go. But of course they don't ask you. Right. Of course like, they've oh, got no interest in you. You, you don't occur to them. You're, you're not, <laughs> not even in that peripheral vision. We're not going to invite you out. Yeah, yeah. But this, I, I want to make this point because I do feel mm-hmm. that this was the target demo. Yeah. I kept thinking there's no way I'm going to like it, but I'm, I'm going to just remember that it's not for me and sure. I'm going to bring an object to it and I didn't feel that way at all I I really felt like this is just fun it's well paced it's spectacular to look at and it was a really wonderful world for adults to be in it's lovely to hear that because it was never particularly the intention to make it for teenagers but I hope that there's quite a lot in it for certainly older women and potentially their (laughs) partners their dirty old man partners their dirty old pervs in their house but we were quite keen early on to make the mother characters not two-dimensional and I think there's a danger in period drama in particular that the mother character is going to be the sort of twittery one who says all I want is for my daughter to get married and actually partly because we ended up being so thrilled to get Christina Hendricks to play the main mother but because also it just felt natural that we would want to do this over the course of the series 
the mother characters do get storylines and do get depth and are hopefully surprising and three-dimensional and don't just feel like the kind of window dressing in the shop with the pretty young girls. Can you talk about how she wound up getting cast in that role? She was genuinely the first person that we approached with it. Very quickly in the casting process, Apple were like, who are you thinking of for Mrs. St. George? And we gave them the list of the people they were thinking of. And they were like, well, let's try Christina Hendricks. And she got sent the scripts and I did a Zoom call with her. Camera off from her side. Camera off Camera from off her from the original side. Zoom call. Yeah. Was it like The Wizard of Oz? Yeah, behind the exactly. Curtain. There was just a face of it. No, it was just a blank screen. So actually, it was a very easy sort of process getting her. We were delighted. Um, it was very nerve-wracking the first day we met her. We were going to take her out to dinner. She came downstairs and we were waiting outside and somebody had booked a taxi in Edinburgh to take us to this restaurant and the taxi didn't turn up. Oh. And it was it was all that. It was fine. It was fine. We're all being nice. How was your Stop flight? It. She was jet-lagged. She could not have been more charming but the taxi didn't come and the taxi didn't come and the taxi didn't come and I honestly think it was like I mean I'm going to say it was at least three quarters of an hour standing on this street corner in a quite shitty bit of Edinburgh and she was so nice about it but it was the most stressful thing any situation where you're kind of feeling like oh it isn't usually like this yes of course oh it's so weird because we can normally get a taxi straight away and all that's really and then this proper pissed drunk boat came up and started shouting at us and I thought any minute I was going to realise it's Christine Hendricks and she was really nice to him and it was so it was oh my god I was so and were you feeling responsible for the drunk man uh, yeah, it's your please. fault yeah, in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry that we've allowed this drunk man in your presence. And she and she said, "Oh my god, I live in LA. It's fine." She was so nice, by the way. You don't feel like one day you're going to open up her autobiography? Yeah, she's going to go that fucking bit <laughs> on that first night and that drunk man that she invited brought, into brought my presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the most certainly to people our age. I think the most recognisable yeah. face in the show. Yeah, but also one of the male leads. I, I knew him from Mamma Mia too. Oh, Josh Dillon. Yes. He's so nice. So were you were you just waiting for the moment where you could bring it up? Oh, I think I brought it up almost immediately. <laughs> After we'd cast him, I think not in the casting, I don't think it came up. I said to Sarah when we were watching the show, this has the feel of a good musical. But only they, 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 I take they, that as a massive only they compliment. don't break into song. It feels the energy of the show and the friendship between the young women has. It feels like a, a song could happen at any given oh, moment. I wish there would be a song that would happen. I mean, there's a lot of music in the show, but none of them sing it. I thought the way the music worked was so sophisticated and oh, good you. and just sexy and not too try. It hard. really works. And it was a process of working out how the music was going to go. In the post-production where we started trying or we had a really brilliant music supervisor who advised us, obviously, but he had this real vision from the start that it was going to be all female musicians, all Americans, and this amazing woman called Stella who is in a band called Warpaint in uh, the States who... I hadn't heard of, I confess, but are a big deal and are brilliant. And does that make a big difference? Having that music in your show, does it open it up to new audiences? It's been massive with the trailer. When the trailer came out, we hadn't known they were going to use the um, Olivia Rodrigo track on it and it had only just been released, so it was very new. And we saw it and it was like, God, they're really pushing it for girls of that certain age. And the TikTok scores, which, you know, I don't think you even call them scores. I didn't know anything about TikTok before. The scores on TikTok, it's like it's strictly. Views, views. I imagine. It's views. views. How many people view it and also then like it? Uh It was uh was uh off the scale because it had this Olivia Rodrigo song on it. Interesting. Yeah. When you were casting this, everyone in this show is like so beautiful. Someone comes in, let's say they audition, mm-hmm. and it's one of the great auditions that you've seen. Yeah. But it is a face that only a mother could love. What happens? Honestly, we kind of set out thinking we probably wouldn't have unbelievably beautiful people in it. We we were kind of like, it'd be nice if we have some people who end up being sort of a bit more normal like looking. Norm, like pretty, yeah. but normal. Sure. I mean... Actors are generally of that age. Yes. And also a lot of the actors, all of whom I thought were good. Yeah. But most, if not all of them, are also models. They are models. I mean, it's at a very (laughs) different level of, of attractiveness. Yeah. I don't know... And we met a lot of them on Zoom, so it was hard to tell quite how gorgeous they were until they turned up in our orbit. And in Scotland last year, we were living in this apartment block, all of us together, for the whole of last year, basically. So we'd found this kind of group of people. It was properly like a Big Brother situation because they were all away from home. Oh, my God. So there was sort of... 
I think there were 12 of them, six boys, six girls, all gorgeous, pretty, not all single actually, a few of them not single at the start and then single quite quickly afterwards. All of them up there, like it was kind of first week of university for them all. And Matthew Broom, who plays Guy Thwart, he hadn't even left drama school when we first auditioned him. He'd never lived on his own before. And I saw him one day and he was like buying plants and he'd put some pictures up on his walls and things. And it was just like, in my 20s, I couldn't have you know come on did did it take you back to your younger days working in a company providing traffic and travel news to various <laughs> BBC and commercial radio stations there are all these young people energised yeah, by a tailback on the, the M6 by the money they'd been given <laughs> by the glamour of their role it was so far removed I can't tell you from anything that I experienced in my 20s or indeed 30s or most of my 40s and actually I had a conversation with Guy Remmers who I think had left drama school maybe like eight or nine months or something before he first had this audition and started to get this job and he was really like I've waited a long time for this I felt like it was too late for me and you want to go what you've been out of drama school six months yeah. you know and I remember that feeling when you come out of drama school and you don't work except for me it lasted 25 years <laughs> but I felt you know I was so fond of them all in a pathetic sort of maternal you didn't have any no kind of crushy vibes your Nick's not at home worrying that one of them is going to turn your head oh they'll have God. a sort of Mrs. Robinson complex can you imagine if there was even <laughs> no I honestly no which no. of the uh, relationships depicted on the show has the most of you and Nick in it <laughs> oh God Mrs. St. George and the Colonel <laughs> no that's a terrible thing to say because that puts Nick in a bad light I think it's good. Well, this is actually quite a nice thing to say for my husband, but I think the Guy Thwart character, who is the sort of charming, quite charismatic one, I, I quite enjoy writing flirting because I feel like Nick is actually quite good at flirting. Really? And, yeah. yeah. He's good at that, actually. I do think he is quite good at that. And I feel like I've written sort of flirty scenes over the years, not just necessarily in Buccaneers, but I've written whole sort of flirty scenes which have been based on conversations that we've wow. had. Wow. That's nice, isn't it? so sweet. Have you ever mind any ter- terrible moments? Moments of your own marriage. Have you oh, yeah. ever been like in a, in a horrible argument and thought, oh, I'm, um, I'm putting this in the back pocket? Always. <laughs> sometimes I've said it actually, and sometimes I've actually had to pretend to go to the loo to write something down on my phone. Where <laughs> there's, been, like, where there's a line. A... <laughs> yeah. I feel like with all the big things or small things that happen in your life, you spend the whole time going, oh, God, that would be good for a scene or a. Yes, yes, that Nora Ephron thing, isn't it? Everything is copy. Yeah. But it's about hiding the fact that you're doing it in the yeah. moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, somebody said to me this morning, there's a scene in the first episode of The Buccaneers where Guy Thwart talks about his mum dying. And somebody said to me, oh, I really could tell that you'd written that after your mum died. And actually, I'd written that episode before my mum died. So all of that stuff about grief and about ill mums and and dead mums. Oh, that's so funny. Because I I was listening to it and and there's that line about, you know, the world without her in it. Yeah. And I, I, I felt like that was straight out of a conversation that you or I might have had when we lost our mothers. I think actually that line, truthfully, was something that Nick said when his dad died, uh-huh. where he said it's not only just that he missed his dad, but that he missed his mum even when he was in a room with her, which I totally understand having lost my mum because you don't just lose one of them. You feel like you've lost that duo. So actually that... I should credit him with that line as well, actually. Jeff was talking about, like, a usual dislike of period drama. Mm-hmm. I don't Fair have, enough. Which I, I never go... Ooh, a period drama. No. I have to say, I think most people who go, ooh, period oh. drama are a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what this show has helped me realize, though, is that what I don't like once I'm in most of mm-hmm. the time, and I thought this even watching The Crown, as so I was like, yeah. that castle looks like it fucking stinks. <laughs> like, <laughs> they need, like, they got all these people. Someone needs to clean better. Yeah, yeah. And what I really liked about this show was how, like, it looked like the whole fucking place smelled good good it does look lovely doesn't it? you know to sort of support the beauty of all the people in it how do you think you would fare mm. as a debutante on that staircase in yeah. the white i think i'd look very flushed that's, against the white that's beautiful i think no not in an attractive way in a sweaty sort of i can like in a heat rash like kind of way heat rush, yeah would you jostle to get to the front i might have done when i was 19 i would certainly be very near the back now needing a wee and <laughs> worrying that my feathers had, had fallen a bit the sort of idea behind that scene was supposed to be that moment when you walk into a party at any age and sort of go god i feel awful i, I thought i was looking forward to this but actually it's horrible because i think the sort of easy version of that scene would be we're very excited about being on this staircase but actually the truth mm-hmm. of that <sighs> When these girls were told that it was the most important moment of their life and they were literally standing there being sort of marked by men and, and older people is grim, isn't it? First episode. Mm. Pink poodle. 
Pink Poodle. And a peacock. Yeah. Real or VFX, visual effects? Pink Poodle, very real. She was called Mary Jane. She had to be taken off set because she was being badly behaved. Oh, shit. She had a special person whose job it was to fan her on set and she had her own trailer. What a diva. The peacock was stuffed, so it wasn't supposed to be real. I think, weirdly, when I watched it, I think I thought it looked like a real I peacock. I thought it was real. Peacocks are one of those things that make me think, like, maybe God exists. Like, I'm like, maybe there is a God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the saturation of the colors on that yeah, thing are unbelievable. so it didn't look like in the bathroom, yeah. 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 No, it's it's a fake, completely fake, not even supposed to be real. And on that expense, are you across that? So if you write a pink poodle, does somebody come over to you at some stage and that, that, that is going to cost three grand? Are you sure you want to spend they the They started money on to that? do that a bit as time went on. And in episode seven, there's a kind of circus theme to the party. And there was a brilliant woman whose name I now can't remember, who was a well-known woman about London at the time who used to drive around in a carriage pulled by zebras and I was so keen on the idea of having that but that was nixed and then they did have a kind of stuffed zebra on set and I think you do glimpse it but you don't get the full effect which is what we sort of talked about there was so much stuff like that though it's so crazy things like when there's a letter that somebody reads and you don't see any of it on camera and first of all somebody's job is to write what that letter is actually going to be then somebody has to practice the handwriting for that letter then you get shown eight different versions of what this letter might be and you're like you're literally not going to see this on screen I mean that's just a tiny example of something that happens about every four minutes and the rooms full of sort of moustaches for the supporting artists or the rooms full of costumes for people that are going to be in the background and you're never going to see or the wigs for the you know it was huge how many weeks does it take before you stop putting wigs and hats on (laughs) i mean had i been left alone (laughs) i was constantly battling not just seeming like a competition winner that's the truth (laughs) nick had bought me when when we first found out that it had been commissioned nick had got me this t-shirt which was, you know, those ones where they have like John, Paul, George and Ringo, the names or whatever. And there's various different versions of them. And he'd got one for me that was Nan, Ginny, Conchita, uh, Lizzie and Mabel. And then on the first day of filming, on my first day on set, I, I sort of thought, oh, I could wear that T-shirt. Otherwise, when am I ever going to wear it? And I wore it underneath a jumpsuit with it done up. Mm-hmm. Because I thought then, you know, nobody need know that I've ever... It's a little secret thing. Yeah, it's a little secret thing for me. And we turned up on set and there was this unbelievable house with these gardens and there were people there with horses and there were trailers and there was hundreds of people. And I just absolutely walked in there and I was like, look at my T-shirt to all of the girls. And they're all... Literally, there's photos of me like that. Like I've literally won a competition. (laughs) I look like such a twat. Before we let you go. Yeah. What have you been watching at the moment? Have you watched Hacks? Yes. Do you like it? Very much. Oh, good. I think you didn't like it particularly. I've got a very mixed relationship with it. I think some of it is brilliant and then some of it is really heavy-handed. So anything with Deborah Vance, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, she's great. The thing that can take me out of it sometimes is the subplot with her assistant. That feels like very syrupy. I don't mind that, though. I feel like that's okay. I I also enjoyed being in that world. Here's something else that I'd be interested to know what you think of it. And I've been watching this with the kids. Superstore. Oh, Do you know yeah. That? America Ferrera yeah, is yeah. in it. People say it's good. The visual of it pushes me away instead of draws me in. Okay. But we're always yeah. looking for things that feel like a good watch for you with your child between the age of 10 and 16. I think it's a good family watch. What are the chances? Yeah. Series two, Buccaneers. Yeah. I see a lot of oil paintings in the background on this show. <laughs> What are the chances me and Sarah uh, rendered in oil in the background? I'd love that. that I'll try. I'll do my best. I've done a couple of little things like that. In one of the episodes, there are two characters who do speak, but you never know their names except for in the credits, who are called Lady Haste and Lady Trailing, who are named after our friends Greg Haste and Susie Trailing. Sarah's glaring at you now at the mention of other friends. I'm sorry. I was really ready. Is that thing when you realise how high up in your... We always say... (laughs) You guys are so much higher up for us than we are for you. And that's okay. That's okay. No, but I couldn't get away with calling them Lady Lloyd and Lady Baron. That would have been... I mean, I could actually. Lady Lloyd and Lady Baron sounds quite good. I know. Baron Lloyd, you could get a lot... I know, but but anyway, it's not a big deal. I'll try that for next season, I promise you. I'll try and get something in. Here's how much I love her. We have an only child. Catherine, I'm sure wouldn't mind me saying, is an only child. And as a parent of an only child, I don't think everyone does, but plenty of us do feel like, oh yeah, I didn't give him a sibling. Oh yeah, 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 da, 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 da. And then, so then what you look for is just like only children 
with incredibly full lives. I don't think I know anyone who has a fuller life than Catherine does. Everyone loves her. She's anytime that I feel sad that there wasn't like a day that I genuinely when when I feel sad that there wasn't a day that I brought a newborn home to my son to be like, meet your little brother. I'm like, Kevin Jaquiz has a great fucking life. (laughs) So I hope that he goes on to like have people who love him and a decent job. Why don't you sing get into the inbox to the tune of get into the groove? Get into the inbox so you have to prove your love to me. Hey, this first email comes from longtime listener, Chloe. She listened when we did Succession and she was AI jerk machine. Dear FC and NC, I have recently reattempted Seinfeld, reminding myself that people I respect and people I know who work in comedy say it's amazing once you get into it. I was very curious to hear you saying you had attempted a few times but were now finding it to be brilliant. I'm six episodes into season three. Is this far enough that I should be into it by now? And I'll just quickly pause here and say, yes, that's far enough. I think it is. That's a sweet spot. Great. The characters and the situations I am finding more appealing and more creative, but I wouldn't say I laugh aloud ever. And I feel like we need to talk about the stand-up bits. I don't find them even vaguely funny, and I know this has mystified other friends of mine. I'm curious to know, especially as a stand-up comedic master with an intricate knowledge of your craft, Sarah, is this good stand-up? Has she seen your act? (laughs) Do you find it funny? Now, I had to include this email because this will basically be my favorite thing to talk about, but you're going to have to corral me if I go too big. Okay. Okay. So first of all, I am not a master. and I don't think I have an intricate knowledge of my craft. Okay. Here's what I think. I think, Chloe, I think you really don't like it. And and I think you feel ashamed to discuss that. And I, you're making me feel comfortable to share my shame. I've never been able to understand why people love Richard Pryor. There. There. I don't get it. People talk about it. I go, you know what I'm going to sit down with? Richard Pryor. And I'll be like, I'm finding that. People talk about the killed my car bit. People are like, all right. Let me... And I'll be like, I can't watch this. I don't get it. I think the first question we need to ask Chloe is what do you find funny? Because comedy is as subjective as anything can be. Yes. There's plenty of stuff that people love that I've got no time for. I've never seen a full episode of Friends, even though I know it's some of the best joke writing and comic performances out there. I don't really like stuff like The Good Place, where there's the sentiment. So I'd be interested to know if Chloe already liked Curb Your Enthusiasm, for example, but couldn't get into Seinfeld. That would be interesting to me. Okay. And I would sort of understand it in a way because it's of its time. And I don't even necessarily mean the subject matter. I mean, it looks like what it is, which is a 90s sitcom with cheesy slap bass musical stings and big performances for a studio audience. So if that visual language of TV feels dated to you, it's going to be a hard nut to crack. Yeah, Chloe, I would love to know, like, how are you with Curb? I think his stand-up, it's a bit like watching an early episode of The Simpsons. It can feel really sparse, and the areas that they're mining for jokes can feel obvious or hacky, but that's because it was so influential that so much came after it that was built on it. And I think that is true of Seinfeld as a comedian, Mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. those bits that you see at the beginning of the sitcom. But you've got to try and understand how unlike anything else it was when it was first on TV. And then the trouble is that everything that came along in its wake aped it. Yes. But say there's nobody you would rather listen to talk about the craft of stand-up this is the thing but then i'm sort of obsessed i obsessively read stuff he puts out or if he ever does a podcast i always listen to it i um listened to something he did with amy schumer she was um talking about hanging out with him she's like oh yeah and do you remember that day where like we sat there and you just like took my 20 minute set and destroyed it and explained to me that I actually have six workable minutes. And I was like, oh my God, I want him to destroy my 20 minute set. (laughs) I was like, I bet I only have four minutes. I bet I only have four minutes. And so there's something like everyone else talks about he's the ultimate like chiropractor. Like you're like, why is this broken? So if anyone out there is listening, because we got listeners in high places and I trust people to not rob my idea, but my dream podcast is Jerry Seinfeld has jobbing comics. So it can't be anyone you've heard of. I think that's important. It's people who are like working the road and doing their 20s and doing the clubs and they bring their 20 or they bring their 45 and they go, 
Dr. Seinfeld, why does this, this is not working. And then you get to hear him. Oh, I got chills. But I also think like anyone who's sort of interested in comedy would love to listen to that. Thank you. This comes from Claire, who says, Dear FCNNC, great shout out for Marion and Jeff. As a late teen, I stayed up to watch it like a genius one-man show. How on earth I related to a divorced middle-aged man is testimonial to how good it was. Can one stream it now? I'd love to go back and watch it again now that I actually know divorced, bitter, middle-aged men. But it was the way that he tried to like, suppress or repress his bitterness and put oh, a spin of positivity on everything. That's brilliant. So really, so good. Um, Claire continues, Under your eye, I finally watched season one, Couples Therapy. Fuck me, that man Mao of poor Annie and Mao. He was the most despicable and horrific human I have ever had the misery of watching. That is actually real, has genuinely impacted me. I am only finally able to sleep again after heavy Googling and knowing Annie did finally divorce him. Are there worse people on season two? Bye! Claire, to answer your question, in season three, there is a guy whose name has already escaped me, but he is the vill- He is the Mao of season three. But what's interesting about him is that Orna has a breakthrough with him. And he kind of, in my opinion, becomes a quite sympathetic character. And this other lady, the Mormon lady, is the fucking one that I could not stomach from start to finish. So keep on keeping on, baby. It's just the greatest of the greatest. This next email comes from Suppyway. We heard from Suppyway a couple weeks ago, and this is her rebuttal to our rebuttal. <laughs> I think I stole that from Drag Race. Um, hey, FCNNC. I just got done watching House of Hammer, a three-part docuseries on Max about Army Hammer's alleged abuse and violent proclivities and how they stem from generational trauma of his dynastic forefathers. Do you know anything about Army Hammer? I don't. I know very little about him other than that he was the guy he was in the social network playing twins and he's sort of like handsome and i love generational trauma less keen on violent proclivities though no but so many of these fuckers are doing that shit i think so I'm going to remember this one, Sip Away, because House of... It just it sounds like one that I could get into. She continues, I'm now really loving the show. She fucking did this in her last email. You're really making us work for you, okay? It's very rewarding, very tiring. <laughs> but I respect it, and it's 100% what yeah, I would You're do. like feeling like you've earned it. Oh, I fucking love it, yeah. Okay, P.S. In answer to a question Jeff asked a few episodes ago, we were just talking about this. I was raised Christian and still am, but I have to confess that as a theater nerd, I learned most of the story of Easter from Jesus Christ Superstar. There you go, Jeff. XO Suppy Way. Fill Sarah's heart with joy. Fill our inbox with email. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. This week, Catherine Jaquay's like to watch Hacks on Prime Video and Superstore on Netflix. Sarah watched Boat Story on BBC iPlayer. I watched Riders of Justice, which is available to buy lots of places, including Apple TV and Amazon Prime Video. I think it's also on Now TV. And we watched The Crown on Netflix. Well, we know what time of year it is. Americans, Thanksgiving is coming, and the goose is getting fat. Don't you dare put a penny in the old man's hat. I'm debating whether or not to host Thanksgiving this year. For all our listeners. No, I'm not going to have you people to my house. What if you try to touch me? (laughs) Come on, come to my... Don't touch me, but come to my table. Come gather, gather, gather. I've made a little, um, I've made a, a wild mushroom roasty. I've made some potatoes. I've made a mac and cheese with sweet potato Ooh. and feta and cheddar, which you don't think combined, but they do. I'm going to buy my pies from the store and maybe I'll make Manhattans. For the people who can handle their liquor, motherfucker. <laughs> Diet Coke for the baby. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.